This episode of Landmine Radio is sponsored by Dittman Research. Do you know what the most valuable thing in the world is? High-quality information. Because high-quality information informs much better decision-making. Dittman Research has been providing high-quality information to Alaska's leading businesses, organizations, and campaigns for 50 years. Do you really know what Alaskans think about your company or your issue? How about your clients, your shareholders, or your employees? So stop fumbling around in the dark. Hire Dittman Research and find out what's really going on. DittmanResearch.com Hey folks, back here with uh, Kelly Cooper. How you doing? I'm good, Jeff. Thanks for having me. First time we've met. I saw you on the running debate last week. Yeah, yeah. So you're running against Representative Vance. That's correct. In District 31, right? That's right. I'm the petition candidate. There's only two of us in the race. No Democrat? No. So I was actually running, I don't know if you heard as a petition. I'm a big Senate. fan, Jeff. I pay attention to everything wow. you do. I asked you before if you listened to the podcast, and apparently you said you're a big fan. I am. I am. And I actually am I'm one of those junkies that... Uh, Thank, thankfully, I'm self-employed, so I can watch the session, and I always pay attention to when you come on and are letting us know what's going oh, on. Oh, the Facebook Lives? Those yeah. Are, those are, yeah. Some of those get a ton of views, because, you know, there's not really much, I mean, there's written a lot of, you know, James Brooks from ADN or Andrew from Public Media, but there's not a lot of people doing, like, long-form video updates. That's right. Even the news, Channel 2 or whatever, it's, you know, a two-minute, three-minute story. So I try to give, sometimes there's so much happening in a day or a week that you could do, you know, an hour well, there's a lot of strategy going on, and that's what I always appreciated about what you do, is the strategy that's going on as they're trying to decide how they're mm-hmm. going to move on the floor. Well, I got to appreciate you. You reached out to me or your campaign manager, mm-hmm. I guess, and said, you know, how do we get Kelly on the podcast? And it's so funny because sometimes I'll do a podcast with somebody and their opponent or maybe their rival, whether it's an issue or something. Why, why, why can't I be on the podcast? And I go, well, fucking ask me. Yeah, pick up I mean, the phone. I'll, I'll put anybody on the podcast. So <laughs> you, your person emailed me and I said, yeah, let's set it up. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, so I don't know much about you. I know you're from Homer, and I got a little special place for Homer because when I moved to Alaska in 2004, uh, a guy reached out because I fly gliders. I learned to fly gliders when I was a kid, and I used to have this kind of side deal when I was in high school. I'd, I'd transport these gliders ac- around the country, and the wings come off, and they're you know they're very expensive. So yeah. these gliders are hundreds of thousands of dollars, these fiberglass. So a lot of these people who have them are wealthier, and I'd kind of ship them around, and I had an ad saying, if anybody needs a glider to Alaska, it was like a Google ad or something I, I wrote, I can, I can do that. You know, I'm moving to Alaska and I had a you know, SUV. Anyways, this guy, Ken Lanfield, sees it, who you know, right? He's I do. I think very time, highly of him. Longtime Homer guy. He gets a hold of me and he's like, you know, who are you? And I go, I'm Jeff Lanfield. And we're the only two Lanfields in Alaska. Very uncommon name. And we ended up meeting and he's been there for many, many years and, um, we still keep in touch. And it's funny because I was just telling you before the podcast in 20, I guess it was 12 or 13, whenever SB 21 was, was going, I guess 13 or 14, there was some public testimony and he called and he was all for it, you know? And he was very much Ken style, kind of very, (laughs) very outspoken, not, not doesn't mince his words. And I get this call from somebody saying, why the fuck are you calling supporting this SB 21 thing? And I said, what are you talking about? And they, like, insisted that I had called and supported. I said, I didn't do that. And I had to go back and watch it. I go, oh, my God, it's Ken Lanfield. <laughs> Ken is very frank and very outspoken. So he's, he used to work at uh, GCI down there. But he's been there for, I think, since he had the story where he kind of, I think he came up here for a while and he just liked it and stayed. And I think he came with a buddy. Yeah, I don't know. I've only known him about, oh, I'd say five or six years. Um but he, like you, has a great radio voice. So he has recorded some of my ads. It's a landfill voice. It's a landfill voice. voice. It is. So you, now you moved to Alaska f- first in the 70s, right? Or? Right. I first came up uh, before my senior year in 78. I had a sister whose husband was in the Air Force. So I had the chance to go from a graduating class of 30 people to um, West High for my senior year, and we had 400 in my graduating class. I'm so a jock, so I, w- I wanted to play in a bigger pool. So well, you came to Alaska when you were like, what, 16, 17? 17. For your last year of high mm-hmm. school. Yeah. Wow, so you, were you from Wyoming, you said? Yeah, a little tiny farm town east of Cheyenne, so very small. Do you know Dick Cheney? Yeah, I do. I'm sure, I'm sure you probably, because it's such a small state. Yeah, Dick Cheney as, uh, well, I don't know him personally, um, but... Uh, I used to be really involved in Cheyenne when I worked there. So um, he, he must have been him. He must have been in Congress, right? When you were governor, 
governor, wasn't he? Yeah, uh, I think he was in. Co- he's. I think he was in Congress. He was working, you know, in politics for yeah. forever. But I know his daughter now is the the rep. The she's the rep, but she's I think the spokesman for the art. You know, the Republicans in the yeah in the House. So Wyoming is actually a smaller population than Alaska, isn't it? It is. It is. It's only about three hundred and fifty, maybe. Great state. Very very pretty. It is a great state. Um, they're pretty old fashioned in their thinking there, though. Uh, you know, I grew up in a pretty conservative, old fashioned family, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, uh, I. So what did your parents say when you said, I want to go to Alaska for high school for a year? Well, um, they one was supportive and one thought I was nuts. Um, but I'd been working since I was 12 years old and saving my money. So uh, It must have been crazy here in the 70s. I mean, the pipeline was finishing up. There must have been tons of money. and In seven, Alaska, there was. Yeah. Yeah, in Alaska, there was. Um, it was pretty darn crazy. And uh, I came for my senior year, um, got to meet a lot of people um, playing sports, and then um, left and came back in 87 and... Uh, I worked at the uh, Upper One in the airport. Um, that was when oil was really flowing. and That I, was when the crap, I mean, that was a kind of the price of oil went way down in the 80, 86, 87, right? Yeah, it did. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, we're always at boom and bust, but I remember um, when I was working at the uh, airport. What's Upper One? What are you? That was that big bar in the, the main big bar in the airport. Oh, I didn't, move, the, for, I didn't move for till 04, but I was born in 84, so I'm a little... Oh, that's when my daughter was born. <laughs> really? Oh. Yeah, she lives here in Anchorage, and I have two grandkids. She's probably older than me because I was born in eighty in December. Yeah, she was born in August. Oh yeah, yeah, We're very close. Yeah. So Upper One was a bar in the airport. It was a huge bar in the airport, and that was back when people drank like crazy. So when all the slope workers would come and go, you know, we would just fill up. I was a bartender, and would, I had five or six. Oh, you probably cocktails. got stories, huh? Oh, I can't even begin to tell you the Can stories. Me, what's your like? What's one that stands out? You know, at the airport, um, I don't really have one that stands out there. I do have one that stands out at the Chef's Inn, which is another landmark here in Anchorage that I bartended at. Where, is that, where was that uh, at? That's on um, Arctic and uh, Northern Lights. It's not there anymore, is it? Chef, yeah, now it's, like, now it's like Blue Central or something. Oh, yeah, well, they even, they closed a couple years ago. Oh, did they? Yeah, over there, yeah. Yeah. I used to go there all the time, Blue Central. I loved it. They closed a couple years back. Yeah, nice. you, you would have loved it when it was a chef's son because that was a big landmark, and you had cook your own steaks, and there was a piano bar, people danced on the bar. I was the first female bartender they hired. Oh, wow. And um, then I burned it down by accident. You burned it down? Yeah, I did. I did. Like, um, you, like a fire? Like a fire. Yeah, I didn't do it intentionally. What'd you, what'd you do? When I closed up, back then, everyone was smoking inside, you know, and I closed up, and you put everything away, and I thought I was good, and I went home, and then when I came back in the morning to open back up, uh, you know, it was a double back. There were fire departments, and uh, it had burnt down. What happened? A butt in an ashtray. Was, it, was it you or somebody else? Was there? No, it was somebody. I mean, you know, you're full. They cl- they close, and you oh clean everything God. up. Yeah. Was it, like, destroyed, or was it? It was totally gone. Totally gone. So um, then I went to work at uh, uh, Land and Sea or something like that over there on 34th. And uh, everyone would talk about how, you know, this bartender did it on purpose so he could make a lot of money. Land and see what's that about? Yeah, it was a it was a bar where they had a... Sea know, galley? No, it was before that. It was a bar where downstairs they had all these fish in the wall, and, and it was just this odd little restaurant with a bar downstairs. You know, I read Mike Gordon's book, you know, Learning the Ropes. Yeah. You know Mike Gordon? Or yeah. Coots guy, and he has all these stories about all these, like, this, like, Kit Kat club, and some he owns, he owns yeah. some, he owns some, that's a strip club, but he owns some other... He like tried to open a gay bar, and there was another guy with a gay bar, and he like kind of was, you know, they tried to firebomb it, and then he opened a Coots and Fairbanks, and these, I mean, they were wild in the seventies yeah. and eighties, just nuts. It was nuts. Um, I also helped out at the Cabin Tavern a little bit over. Oh, love that place. Yeah, yeah, I worked over there. So um, anyway, after the place got rebuilt, they came and offered me my job back, so it wasn't so bad. <laughs> <laughs> like, remember that place you burned down? Yeah, you want to come back? Yeah. Wow, you yeah. burned it. <laughs> yeah. This is wild. Yeah, I know. Um, a lot of people. Tell me I shouldn't tell that story, but, you know, it is what it is. I mean, it's a long time. I think Statue of Limitate. Right? <laughs> so, well, what did you go to Homer, though? Because this is all Anchorage. Right. So, um, that's where I met my husband. Uh, remember when the whales were, you heard the story about the whales being under the ice and the Russian ice. Yeah, there was the, in. they made that movie about it. Yeah. But. Yeah. So, that was when I met my husband, the night that we were all watching them try to save those whales. And uh, then we uh, got together and in... 92, he wanted to leave. What, um, was, he, what, was, what was he doing? Up like, he was an old lineman. And uh, then he was a business rep for IBW. And then he went. Oh, and, nice. Yeah. Love the, he, I, love, I love those guys. I the 1547? IBW. Yeah. Love those guys. Yeah, they still love him. Um, he passed away 10 years ago. He got sick. But anyway, oh, we left and went outside for about 10 years and came back. Uh, we always wanted to retire in Homer. 
And we were actually able to come back in 02, and he finished out his career as the safety director for HEA, and then retired and then got sick. At Homer Electric? or Yeah. yeah so where'd you go for the 10 years? We went to Colorado to the Royal Gorge area. Oh, I'm from New Mexico originally. So Yeah, yeah. It's close I'm, to Wyoming there. You're kind of close really to home. It's really close. It's really close, especially from the southern part of the state, so. So what, um, you came back and then... Came back in 02 and I went to work as a commercial insurance agent, which I absolutely loved. I'm such a weirdo about policy and things like that. So I worked with um, people all over the state as a commercial insurance agent. And I did that until my husband um, got sick and then I stayed home and took care of him. And after he passed away, we had one, we had a bonus kid that was still at home. And he's quite a bit younger than the other. And uh, so I wanted to be at home where I could be available. And I opened uh, or bought these rental cabins next door to me and I walk across the driveway to work. Did you have your own insurance like brokerage or you work like a rep? No, I worked some? with Wells Fargo. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I worked with Wells Fargo Insurance. We uh, worked with people all over the state and I loved that job. When were you working there? What year? I worked there, well, I, I started out at Homer Insurance in 02 and then I went to uh, Wells Fargo in 2005. I wonder if you ever worked with my buddy Matt Larkin. You know, you know him? I do know Matt Larkin. Yeah, he was working there for a long time. Yeah, he He's, was in Anchorage. He was. He's, yeah. he, he owns Dittman Research now. He's a pollster, but he worked for Wells Fargo for a long time. Yeah. I think in insur- commercial insurance. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that insurance world um, on the commercial side, it's pretty small. You get to know everyone around the state. I, still I figured you, when you said that Wells Fargo, I figured you'd know him. Yeah, He's actually one of the podcast sponsors, Dittman Research. So I'll be darn. I'll have to look him up. You know, I used to insure most of the cab companies here, the cabbies here. I drove Anchorage. a cab for two years. Checker, really? Checker. Yeah. I, I graduated. See, I was, I wanted to drive earlier. I was like, I moved to 04. I was 19. And then I did like underground gambling and I worked at Cal Worthington and I was doing, I was in UAA and then I. I stopped because I was involved in these like underground gambling games and like dealing cards. And I wanted to drive a cab at some point because I was going back to school and I was like, I better make money driving a cab, but you got to be 25. Right. And I wasn't 25 yet. So eventually I turned 25, I got my chauffeur license. And um, there was a guy, Taylor, you know that? Taylor, they had a checker, mostly checker and yellow downtown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I'd, be, I'd be a fill-in guy. So I did it for two years. I just kind of fill in what whatever. Year? Uh, 2009, 2010. I'll be darned. I uh, probably insured a lot of the people that um, lease those cabs. Yeah. Because I, I used to insure most of the cabs in Anchorage and Fairbanks and then the Valley. And um, I got some crazy cab stories, I'll tell you what. Man. So do I. <sighs> so Nuts. do I. Yeah. I mean, people have no idea what cabbies go through. It's like a whole different, you know, you, you can you can one minute pick up somebody from the Captain Cook, take them to the airport, and they're a business guy, and, you know, they'll give you a $20 tip, and then the next minute you're picking up some kind of junkie type person who's tweaking out, who doesn't want, even want to pay you. And then you're picking up a strippers, taking them back. You know, it's just like, just all, cause I drove nights. Yeah. So I, yeah. I would see kind of the whole thing. Yeah. I had a, a cabbie in Fairbanks that um, drove nights and uh, she had a garut taken um, from cab, from, you know, some fair she picked up and they got a garut around her neck and she was able to break free and she's running to a house and they shot at her. That was quite a claim to try oh to fill out. I had one time yeah. where these young kids were in the cab and it was kind of, it was really I could tell something was going on and you know, you can, the back, the, they shave the locks. If you want to like lock people in just in case they don't want to. So I did it. And then the, the kids got really, aggr- I mean, it was crazy. It got really aggressive and luckily I didn't have a weapon, but you know, I picked them up and they were being really weird. And I, they were kind of wouldn't say where they were going. They were going kind of like take, take us around this area. It was like in Fairview and they wouldn't give me an address. And I was like, they were young. They were like seven, 16, 17, but it was late. I remember thinking, like, man, this is this is bad. This could end. This really could this bad. Could end bad. Yeah. And those cabbies I talked to, that you know, one guy got shot back in the '80s. There's another guy that he had, he actually had a gun, and somebody tried to rob him, and he killed him. Yeah. And this is in like the early '90s, maybe late '80s, early '90s. Yeah. And the the one the one story, um, one of the 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 best kind of piece of advice this guy gave me. He was an older cab driver, and he said, you know, because they, they teach you this too when you're getting your chauffeur's license. You know, you're, you're in a position of like authority here, and you know, people could be vulnerable or whatever. And uh, he told me that this woman one time, this guy was driven a cab and this woman invited her into his place, drove her home. He came in, you know, he slept with her and then he left. And then she basically called the police and said he raped her. Yeah. And she sued him, sued the cab company. And you know, who knows what really happened. But I remember one time I was picking, I picked up this girl from downtown and she was going to this hotel in Midtown. And she wasn't, I mean, she was probably had been drink, drinking, but nothing like, Nothing like crazy drunk or anything. And she's like, do you want to come in? And I was like, nope. Nope. Have a good night. Yeah. No, because, you know, Yeah. I remember that. I mean, I wouldn't have done it anyways, probably. But that, just that story of like, 
Ooh. Those cab guys, they go through an awful lot. Um, I remember um, dealing with so many different lawsuits, and uh, uh, people have no idea what cab drivers go through. They just have no idea. And the accidents, you know, when the weather would get back would get bad, I'd just get up and go to work early because I know that fax machine would be rolling in. And I was, a, I was a fill-in driver, so I'd always be in different cabs. And sometimes some of the, you know, you'd have really good cab owners, and now it's different with Uber, but you'd have really good cab owners that would take care of the cab, they'd invest in the cab, they, you know, they would... All the maintenance would be done. And then you have some that just didn't give a shit. And you'd have, like, the Christmas tree, all the lights were on, the w- steering wheel, you know, the pinion rack steering's all yeah. messed up. I mean, it, the, the seats are horrible, and it's like you almost feel bad about get, taking yeah. somebody in there because it's so bad. Yeah. But then once in a while, you get a get cab. I had a guy one time I'd fill in for him. He had his own cab, and he'd drive it, and then he would hire somebody for the other shift. And Man, it was so nice. Yeah. It was, it was, it was like driving a, almost like a private car. A lot of those um, cab companies, they do that leasing out, you know, where the poor guys, and then they have to buy their own insurance. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Now it's such a, with Uber, I mean, they, they anchorage with the medallions, and they're kind of worth, I mean, I know, I, I feel a lot bad, a lot worse for the people that bought them later for a lot of money than the people, some of the people got them in the 80s, and they paid nothing, and yeah. they made money for decades. Well, you know, with Uber, I was um, always opposed to that because uh, they weren't on the same playing field as the cab companies. They, they were not expected to have the same limits of liability. Mm-hmm. They weren't paying the same well, insurance. They, they should have made them get the chauffeur's license. They should have, and they shouldn't have given them a freebie at the airport. You know, um, they didn't have the same rules apply to them, so um, that was why I really fought that. I just... What's Uber? Support. Is it Uber and Homer? Is that a thing? Or? No, no, but, you know, statewide, I used to insure a bunch of people, so... Um, you know, I, uh, so what do people do at Homer? It's still cabs or we still have cabs. We've got about three cab companies and, um, one of them, um, has been around, um, for decades and, uh, another one's been around for about 10, 15 years. So, um, yeah, they do a lot of cabbies, you know, all the supers. Yeah. So you're, now you're on the borough of Kenai Peninsula Borough Assembly. That's right. I've been on there since 2013. Were you there a few months ago when the Russians or they did the Russian gay porn? I'm the president. I was the one I, that you saw the picture of. Yes, that, someone sent me. So someone was like, I got a text, and they were like, you're not going to fucking believe this. And I go, what? And they said, the Kenan Peninsula Borough meeting just got Zoom-bombed with gay porn. And I said, you're, you're kidding me, right? So then I got the video, and it was like, the, it was hardcore. Yeah, it was. It was hard fucking core porn. Yeah. So how long was it on? It must have been, what, not, not 10 seconds? Ten, s- 10 seconds when I realized, well, you know, I knew something was happening when we when I was hearing the noises in the background, so since COVID. It was, it, it was raw. Yeah. I go into the chambers, and the clerks are there, and then everyone else is on Zoom, and I was hearing something, and I was trying to make eye contact because there were some noises going on, and we forgot to stop the screen sharing. And then when that came on, I called for... Uh, did you have any idea who did it or just somebody had the code? Actually, they did catch him. Uh, oh, I, really? I, well, they, they got their information because they didn't get it pulled down quick enough. Um, I haven't checked in to see what has happened with it. Because somebody know. must have had the, I mean, they must have the link and they just kind of. They did. Um, and the, everyone can call in, um, but we forgot to remove the screen sharing for a presentation that was done beforehand. So they jumped right in there. Someone high tech. There's this, um, like this whole thing with Zoom bombing when Zoom yeah. got big. There was another one, which wasn't even, it was um, a classroom. It was a college class. And this is months ago and this this guy you know there was a whole classroom there and this guy was part of the class and he thought his camera was off and he was in his dorm and he was changing just bare bare naked <laughs> and his big you know dick swinging in the and it's right he's right there in front of the camera and everybody's like dude what are you doing and i think he he just must have not realized it and it wasn't even he wasn't trying to be funny i just think it was an accident yeah maybe he was who knows but He's, you know, like mortified afterwards. Yeah, I was watching a Zoom and I saw someone sitting there and they forget that they're in front of a camera and they were sitting there picking their nose, just having a great time. Not at the assembly, but on another Zoom I was uh, mm-hmm. watching. Uh, I think I was actually on the Zoom. Yeah. Anyway, someone had forgotten they had the camera. And they there were, there was another camera. one that um, I love this. It was like, it was, I saw it on YouTube. It was a guy was having a, it was like a work meeting and, and he was just sitting there and he was just not really, you know, and something happened and it fell over. And he had a picture of himself propped up so it looked, and it fell over, and he was sitting on, like, when it came over, he was sitting on the couch. (laughs) (laughs) Legend. I'm going to be so glad when we can get back in person. So you, when were you elected to the... I was elected to the assembly in 2013. I term out. um, My last meeting is on the 13th of October when I certify the election. Oh, because we're having elections uh, tomorrow, right? Tomorrow. Yeah, so I guess when this post probably already happened. So what is it? It's three terms? Two terms. Two terms. Two three-year terms. Yep. Oh, so we anchors. We have three. Yeah. I I, uh, I think it's fine. Um, I'm ready for someone else to come in and do the work. I'm disappointed, though, because usually I'm the only woman on the assembly. 
And um, with the election, both seats are running unopposed. Well, the third seat, there is someone opposing, but they're all men. So there won't be a woman's voice on the assembly anymore. So Kenai Peninsula Borough is pretty big, right? Yeah, it's the entire Kenai Peninsula. So when you head into the pass where it says, welcome to the Kenai yeah. Peninsula, that's us all the way. So you go, go from there all the way to Homer, Anchor Point. Out to the head of the bay, Fox River area. You go across the bay to Seldovia and that area. Uh, Nanwalak, Port Graham, mm-hmm. that's all part of the assembly or the borough. How many people live? I mean, the, can about 50,000. Wow. So, yeah, I remember last year there was a pretty contentious with uh, there was Bjorkman and then Jonathan Quick and then there yeah. was somebody else too, wasn't there? There uh, was a third person running, but he was one that um, didn't come. That was a weird much. race, wasn't it? That it was, was really weird, but I supported Bjorkman um, and, and he's pretty darn conservative, but he's a reasonable guy and he's pretty darn sharp. How many people are on there? Is it seven or nine? Nine, okay. Nine, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so Bjorkman's not, been a good addition, even though we don't always agree. So when did you, yeah, no, I, get, I met him, um, he contacted me when he was kind of involved in municipal league. Very. So I got, I met him in Juneau a couple, he was down in Juneau and. I was there with yeah, him. Yeah. And I remember he bought an ad on the website. So I was like, yeah. 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 Um, so when did you decide to run for legislature? I decided to run for legislature um, when the first, when uh, my opponent's first session and they couldn't even decide where to go. And mm-hmm. it became I was down there. so it was, partisanship. It was yeah, wild. Were you in the Valley or were you in Chino? Um, I went, so I was down there for the session with the month of not organizing. And then I came back and then I went to the Valley mm-hmm. and it's actually kind of bad. Cause I went through the first day. I actually rented like an RV and I was going to tailgate and it ended up being a failure. Nobody, I like bought coolers with drinks and I mean, nobody even, I was, had this idea of doing like podcasts and yeah. didn't work out. It was just this really large, annoying yeah. RV thing. But I went there for the first well, day or two and then I, and then I said, well, this is boring. This sucks. And I didn't go back the second time. Or the third day, I guess. And that's when they had the protest where it got out of control. I watched it. And I missed that. Yeah. It's like, the, I'm the guy who needs to be there for that. Yeah, you should have been there. So I thought, because it was because the first day was weird and they had the kind of the show, the, the kind of the show type. We're, we're having this and it was so bizarre. Oh, the whole so thing weird. was bizarre. That's right when I decided to file. So you filed last year. Yeah, I did. I did. And I why did you decide? Did. So did you think about. I mean, have you been a Republican in the past, Democrat, or have you just been independent? Or You know, I've been nonpartisan the majority of my life. Um, I was registered um, as a Republican once. I've been registered as a Democrat, but the majority of my life I've been a, a nonpartisan, undeclared. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and that's the way I work. You know, I always, when I, when I go to elections, I vote for the person, not the party. I vote for the issue. Um, I've truly believe you can be nonpartisan. So you guys had, get stuff done. You guys had Paul Seaton there for a long time and he was a he Republican, did. but pretty, pretty, you know, kind of middle of the road. That's right. And then yeah. he went, he tried to kind of get clever and run as a, um, independent in the democratic primary last time. And yeah, I don't know if he was being clever. I think he was actually, um, really frustrated with the way he'd been treated because he mm-hmm. had worked with the bipartisan coalition and the Republican party was really tough on him. So, um, him and Luis and Gab- Gabrielle. Yeah. Yeah. But I think if he would have stayed in Republican, he would have, cause there would have been, I guess it would have been four people, right, mm-hmm. in that race? Because there was Cox, Vance, and somebody um, else ran too, I think. Right, the old uh, mayor of Homer. Yeah, so um, that was a tight race. But, um, you know, Gary Knopp was a really good friend of mine. He served on the assembly with me. Yeah, I know. I'm so bad about Gary. I, 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 I had just talked to him. We were actually going to go down there and do a profile of that race, and we had talked on the phone, you know, a couple days before, and uh, – yeah, I got to know him pretty well over the last couple of years. That's a really bad, just horrible deal there. It's a tragedy. And when we served on the assembly together, he was great. You know, he's like me. He wants to deal with the issues as opposed to uh, having a few people in the party tell you mm-hmm. what to do. Uh, he's a reasonable guy. And were I you really down there? When I, were you at Homer when that happened or yeah. the crash? Yeah, Actually, yeah. I was uh, driving um, to put up campaign signs and uh, I got the call. Yeah. And then I went to his. He was, uh, he was on there for, what, six years, right? Or was he, it three? No, it was... Um, he'd finished his four, fourth year and he was getting ready to run for his fifth year when then that he happened. Got, then he got, yeah. Yeah. No, but on the, on the, on the assembly, I mean. Oh, on the assembly. Yeah. No, he was on there, um, a couple of different times. He was on and then turned out and then came back and then, um, only served, uh, two years of his three year term because he got elected. So it's like Anchorage. You can do two terms and then take a year off and right. come back. Right. 
Mm-hmm. So I forgot to ask you before, what do you do now? You, you said you had a coffee stand? Right. Um, so when I uh, when my husband became ill, um, I left Wells Fargo Insurance and uh, decided to go into business for myself after I took some time off after he passed away. So I own uh, Glacier View Cabins, which has seven cabins that overlook the bay. They're great. People love them. My people come from all over the world. This is like mostly tourists or there's Alaskans um, too? It's, well, I do tourists in the summer, so I call that the rape and pillage season. Hmm. And um, we do uh, a tourist rate in the summer and then we're open year round so we go to you know alaskans um in the fall and we have a lot of corporate and alaskans doing their getaway are they kind of like rustic like fireplace is that no fireplace but yeah they are they're um they're the true cabins and uh they have fire pits outside and we have gas girls and um we'll have to maybe come down there this winter i wish you would Maybe I'll do a little, uh, do a video, Give you, maybe we do like a trade or something. Yeah, yeah, you should come down. People love those cabins. Um, we have a great time. So what, you, I, got, I guess, probably got affected by COVID pretty bad? Or? I got killed on the cabins. Do you have I re- lost, reservations and they canceled? Yeah, wow. yeah. I, I have a lot of uh, tour groups that I work with that take the whole complex. Anyway, I lost about 70% of my revenue. It was devastating. And oh, so wow. I did turn it around and market it to Alaskans and lower the rate. And, uh, did you get people coming? Because I know a lot of did. folks have been doing stuff this summer. We did. We have a lot of um, repeat customers. So the Alaskans kept my head above water. The coffee business, though, um, you know, I have an espresso stand as well. And that one has just been um, record-breaking. I had a friend um, I used to work with years ago. His wife started a coffee. This is like 10 years ago or more. She started a coffee stand and she worked it. You know, she just worked there every morning. And she, I couldn't believe that she paid the fucking thing off in a year because she kept, I mean, she worked it a lot. She was right. working there every mor- five, four or five in the morning and she was, yeah, she had employees too, but she paid it off in a year yep. and she was making, this is, I'm sure it's, she still has it, I think, but she was making a lot, it was a lot of money. She was making like a hundred yeah. grand a year. Yeah. Well, those coffee um, shops do really well. I have great crew. Oh my gosh. And we went to masking in the coffee shop because we wanted to stay open. I mean, if we could have one or. Test, one coffee shop? Yeah. One coffee shop. I have about um, six baristas um, because we're just so busy. And well, they wear masks. What I've been trying to tell, a friend, a friend of a friend was actually trying to do this in Anchorage, but I would love to have an app where, like, I pull up to the coffee shop by where I live, but I go to different ones. And there's, like, three or four cars, and you're like, oh, shit, I got to wait here. It'd be nice to have an app to, like, choose that shop, order the drink, and then they know what you're ordering, right? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be great? Well, you know, um, we actually considered that because we have two windows. We considered going on the one side where people could do the app, but um, my crews don't turn over, and so when people pull up, they usually know what they want and they have it ready for them. We yeah, I guess in Homer, it's yeah, I mean, even here too. They know, they know what I want. I get the same thing usually, but then just look at it. Like this morning, I I pulled up and I had to wait. There's like two two cars in front. And I had to wait and. You know, it took me like 15 minutes, and I said, oh, this is... Yeah, see, that uh, that would never work for me. We have the magic. We have lots of them. Um, we make sure we're covered with our crew, and um, I want people in and out of there in five minutes. So if you're we, waiting 15 minutes, it, that wouldn't work for me. For no, me. there's the one I go to by my house, but then down the down the road on Old Sewer, there's another one, Bikini Baristas. Yeah, my son talks about that. I have a, love, love that one. Yeah, I have a 26-year-old son, and um, he keeps asking me to open a bikini one, and I said he should do that. I was over there a while back, and um, this... Chick was kind of like in a bad mood. And I said, what's going on? She goes, this lady came by again. And like, what do you mean? And I guess some lady was telling her like, put your clothes on and go harass them. And they're horrible, you know? Yeah. I, uh, my baristas, I let them know that we don't have a dress code, except I don't want their, I don't want to see the crack of their butt when they're bending over to make drinks. But so um, bikinis. If they, if they choose to, as long, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they don't have a dress code. They can do what they want. They have tattoos. They have purple hair. They have, um, I, I'm just not particularly. I'm not sure that. about Bikini Barista in January. That's a little chilly. Yeah, that you would know? be really chilly. Because there's one up by Toke that's a bikini one. Um, one of the uh, people in Homer sent me a photo, and it was cold. And she was still in her bikini. There's yeah, one in Toke area. Better be getting paid. Yeah. Hazard probably. pay or something. Yeah. At my age, I'm not going to do that. So how do you feel about the race? I mean, the absentees went out today. Did you do your chase? Yes, we did. We're, do, we're doing the chasing. We're doing the phone banking. Um, we are working this really hard. We've had great support. You know, our uh, uh, APOC report came out today, and we're doing pretty well. We're uh, just under 90 in what we've raised, and our goal is to hit the 100. 90,000? Mm-hmm. Holy, I didn't realize you raised that much. I, I didn't. Yeah, I checked last. Really when did you file the report? Today. Okay, so I was checking yesterday. I didn't. I didn't see. Today's yeah. Monday, so I didn't. I didn't yeah. do it today. I actually have to do mine still because I, I, even though I withdrew, I still have to. Yeah. Keep doing that. I got to do my final one eventually. Yeah. All the way. Wow. Here. So you, so. Vance worked so, really hard. So Vance was first term, but you know, she's Republican and it's kind of a Republican leaning district, right? I mean, Seton was it there is. for a long time. and Well, you know, they say it's a Republican leaning district, but we have more um, undeclared in our district than um, the other two. 
So um, there's a lot of undeclared. And people give me a really hard time saying I'm an indocrat, you know, I'm not a true independent. I say if we can have over 5,000 people, voters, that are undeclared, why shouldn't they be able to have a, re- a Well, I mean, there's more, yeah, there's more undeclared and nonpartisan people in Alaska than Democrats. All over, right. And it, it kinda, I, I suffered the same thing because I ran as a petition like you before I withdrew. And my personal view is, you know, the Democrats letting independents, quote-unquote independents, run in their primary, it's kind of tarnished the word independent. So when you say I'm independent, a lot of folks would tell me, oh, yeah, you're, you're a fucking Democrat. That's right. I go, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I got signatures. I'm affiliated with nobody. That's right. But you get, are we noticing that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, especially from the, uh, um, uh, the Republican party, you know, they're trying really hard. We get a lot of, uh, name bashing, but, um, I think that we really do represent, we've got supporters from, um, you know, Democrats, Republicans, nonpartisans. We've got great support. So you're here now, but I was going to say, I saw, you know, I've seen, uh, representative Vance was here last week for like a fundraiser Republicans had, and then I saw her. And somewhere else in the peninsula. I mean, is she yeah, out campaigning or yeah, you, you yeah. got to think like being an anchorage isn't really campaigning. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm here for a dentist appointment. Um, but no, we're, we're campaigning um, um, all over the district and we're doing them outside. We're doing masking. Um, we're trying to be as careful as we can. We had a, a commercial fisherman's uh, meet and greet the other day and it was outside and mm-hmm. um, it, it works fine. Now in your district, it's pretty big. So are you I mean, are you knocking doors? I mean, I know in Homer you can, but... We are, we're doing lit drops just to be careful with folks. Um, you know, there are a lot of folks that don't want people knocking on the door. You know, on the assembly, I represent the entire peninsula. Um, you know, as the president, I take calls from everywhere. So um, the district uh, is manageable for me, and uh, we're doing uh, lit drops. We're doing meet and greets outside, and we're doing great. Does your assembly district... Um Compromise, or not compromise, does, does it encompass the whole no. uh, house district or no? No, my assembly district is um, Homer and um, Ketchumack City. and But, you know, on the assembly, especially with it being nonpartisan, we kind of respond to everyone, mm-hmm. um, depending on the issue. And then as president, I've served president twice, um, people call you from all over the, the borough. So you have to be involved and know what's going on. Uh, this year, I was really proud of the fact that, you know, the eight men on the assembly that are left, right, and middle, um, unanimously selected me for their president. So you're the only woman? The only woman. I've been that, it's been that way for the majority of my time. Wow. Mm-hmm. Who was on there? Wasn't there a woman? I'm trying to think. There, well, we've had women in the past. So, you know, we had Sue McClure um, from Sue lady, for a while. Wasn't there a lady from Homer that was on there before? Him? Millie Martin was on yeah, there maybe. years ago. Yeah. Wow, so it's it's you and the eight guys, huh? Me and the you, guys. You, you and the you and you and the guys. Me and the guys. Um, and it works really. I mean, we just have a great relationship. I love it, and I'm really disappointed there won't be another woman there. I won't miss the drive up, though. You know. Uh, so you have to drive to Kenai. I drive to Soldatna. Um, so was that a couple a couple hours? It's a couple hours, but you know, you're coming back in the dark. You know, those meetings tend to go on a long time, especially when you have things like the invocation, you know, or mm-hmm. COVID. We have so anchors. I mean, some of our meetings will go from. Routinely, especially lately, they'll routinely go to midnight and they get extended and they go, go the next day. We had all the COVID stuff happen. Yeah. I don't know if you saw I've that a few paying, months ago. Oh it, got, no, it, got, it popped off here pretty. It still I, is. Yeah, it still is. I'm a junkie, so I pay attention to all those. Yeah, we've had uh, meetings where we've had to gavel out at midnight and uh, then be back in mm-hmm. the next morning. So how do you feel about, you know, it's your first time running for legislature? Mm-hmm. How do you, do you have a sense of it? I mean, I know it's kind of, there's usually not polling, it's expensive, so you kind of have to gauge it from... Um, I think that it's a really close race. Um, we're working it every day um, to get as many votes as we can. I think it's going to be a really close race. Mm-hmm. But I think it's critical that people get out and vote. And I think that they are ready for us to get back to work. It is There's so much gridlock. It's ridiculous. Now, we you kind of strike me as what kind of moderate or more i am so I'm, would you be in the coalition or would you would you be a kind of a free agent and see what happens or well you know i like to use those sports terms because i'm you know i'm an old jock so um people keep asking me who i'd be working with until we know what the results of the election are i haven't made any promises i always think it's a great idea to have different people different voices and opinions in the room that's how i think you get the best result but i haven't made that decision yet it's like me saying i'm gonna go play basketball with this team when I haven't even seen any of them. You know, I just mm-hmm. know that there's these 10 people. So if you were to win, yeah, I mean, there's, there's uh, Dan Ortiz is independent. Mm-hmm. He's caucus with the coalition. Right. Um, there was Gren. He got B. There's no mm-hmm. other. You'd be the, I mean, I think unless some other people won too, there's some other independents running. But right. I mean, truly, Dan Ortiz is like a petition. He right. runs his petition like you're doing. Um, well, you know, um, all three races on the peninsula um, have petition so there's candidates. Ba- that's the interesting one is the Bayesian one because Tucker right. Babcock is... 
trying, you know, they're supporting Gillum, and yeah. he was not supported by them two years when ago. When he ran against Machiki. Because he almost beat Machiki, then he did right, and they, they hit him hard. That's right. And now he's their guy. Right, and now um, we've got Basin, who I think is a pretty reasonable guy. He's the chief of staff at the borough. For, for the mayor, For right? the Kenan Peninsula. Right, he's a pretty reasonable guy. And um, his own party's eating him up. And uh, I think that his decision to run as a, a petition candidate was strategic, you know, because before Gary was killed, well, they th- were th- looking at that and trying to find a path to victory, and then they I- won't. I think they wanted they wanted like a that that was a that was a plan B if I Gary so if too. Gary would have they, they had the kind of plan but then he said well you know fuck it I'm staying I mean I don't right. know if that was he was part of that or not or whatever happened but he um you saw that letter I got a hold of the letter that I Tuckerman did. sent him I did and it was it was um actually it was Tuckerman laid it out kind of pretty right clear I mean he said right. here's what the implications could be going forward with you know Charlie and you yeah. and yeah. I mean it, it I, I don't believe that. I don't think that um, Basin staying in the race would have any implications on Charlie's race. I think that they just really wanted to do the party-driven Do you know machine. Charlie pretty well? I don't know him that I well, but he, know him. he's I kind know. of a firebrand, isn't he? Actually, um, if, you, if you ever want some entertainment, Charlie and I tend to block heads a lot, um, but we also work together. Uh, we're very different. Um, yeah, he is. He'd be, a, he'd be a good podcast, wouldn't he? He'd be a really good great podcast I gotta, I gotta get you know i see him doing stuff and i think one of the i'm in the sister cities commission for anchorage and this actually issue hasn't really it was weird it was a big thing for a while the captain cook statue and i kind of identified that as being oh, yeah. especially a few months ago when all this woke stuff started getting crazy and you know that was a gift and it's tied to the commission because um whitby's one of our sister cities in england and cook learned to sail there and bp gave it to us in 78 for the or 70 yeah 76 for the bicentennial um American Bicentennial, and then we became sister cities with Whitby in 78. Anyways, um, they were trying to, like, take it down, and there's it still hasn't even been it's kind of weird. It kind of just, it, it, issue kind of died out. The Klutna yeah. tribe was supposed to, anyways, Charlie Pierce, I kind of respect him for this. He's like, well, if you guys don't want it, we'll take it. Yeah. And I said, man, that's a move. That's are, a, are you that's familiar, a power move. Are you familiar with the Second Amendment Sanctuary Borough resolution that came before the Kenai Peninsula? Uh, yeah, I heard about that. That was Yeah, well, and so that's where he and I really blocked heads. Um, that and the vote by mail. Um, so what was that know, about? That was basically the, the, the second, second... The Second Amendment uh, Sanctuary Borough, you know, that's a cookie-cutter boilerplate uh, language. It's like, probably like an ALEC thing, I wonder. Oh, well, yeah, and, you know, we don't even have that authority. We're a second-class borough. So um, I amended it to make it where people knew that what rights we really were getting with that because we weren't getting anything and it was making people believe they were getting another layer of protection. I think we should always put everything out there and make sure people understand what it is. So um, I knew that um, it needed to be amended. I amended it. We struggled and my amendment passed. And then the um, vote by mail, you know, there's always that spin. My argument is always if you have a really good position, you don't need to spin. You should be factual. Mm-hmm. And so um, people were spinning it that it was a mandatory vote by mail. And so he and I had another argument um, on at, at the assembly level with me saying that you have a responsibility to be factual because people rely on you as the mayor. So you guys are like Anchorage where you have an elected mayor and like Palmer and some of these places, they have a kind of a mayor who's part of the assembly. But you guys are like Anchorage, right? The mayor Right, we have a strong from, mayor form yeah, of government. Like right, an, Like Anchorage. Right. Right, so yeah, you can have either the weak mayor form of government where they're part of the, and you have a city manager or borough manager, or you have the strong mayor, which is where the person actually does the administrative work. Yeah, I got to get a podcast with that guy. He, se- he seems like he'd be a... You should. So do you, I mean, you, so you must work with him quite a bit then, right? You're I work with him a lot. I work with him a lot. Pretty yeah. conservative, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, we, um, we actually, it's, uh, people give me a real push about not being able to work with others, and he's a perfect example because we've had some... Pretty good uh, disagreements, um, pretty hardcore, and we still manage to work together. And we do what's best for the borough in the long run. And it's difficult for him, and it's difficult for me, but we get there because we're looking out. So I'm going to post this in a few days. It's Monday the fourth, so you got you know less than a month before the election. What's your? I mean, absentee is kind of very different now than from in the past. There was always absentee ballots, but now with COVID, there's a lot more. So There's a lot more. Um, so uh, uh, we're counting on not knowing the results because we think there's going to be an l- awful lot of absentee ballots. And so we, we don't think we'll know what the election results are till the week after. Yeah, it's going to be like the prime. I mean, you know, there are yep. so many close races. That it, I guess they're going to do the same thing where they don't they don't count them for a week. And Well, yeah. And kinda... Yeah, so when people talk about vote by mail, that's how you know it's secure. They don't count those absentee ballots until they've done all the in-person so they can make sure people haven't voted by twice. See, I mean, I, I, I think vote by mail is fine in Anchorage, but the reason I, I do, like, the reason I'm understanding of people who are worried about it, in Anchorage, I did a whole story on this two years ago. We, we like, did a whole video story on this. 
Anchorage didn't do this overnight. There was it was it was like years in the making. That's right. So it wasn't like oh we're going to do vote by mail. It was there was a commission. They researched it. The clerks were involved. The assembly was involved. They hired people. Um, you know, it was set up in a way that's very secure. There's they send out the postcards before they verify. They, they don't forward the, the ballots. There's a signature match. There's all these things in place. So right. You know, for for some place to just say. Oh, we're going to do vote by mail all of a sudden. Doesn't I don't, work that I, way. I can understand why that's people are worried about that. Yeah, no, it doesn't work that way. And we actually had a stakeholders group that studied it for a year, and ours wasn't going to be mandatory vote by mail. It was actually a hybrid where you could still vote in person. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I think people should be able to vote in person. I like to vote in person, but there are lots of reasons that people don't, and I think that we should give as much access as possible. I mean, the vote by mail it does change, you know, the, the election because if you look at the returns, you know, they they go out three weeks before the quote unquote election, and then there's a there's a spike in return, and then it kind of goes down. Mm-hmm. And then, and then it goes up at the end. Right. So you kind of have to change your campaign strategy a bit mm-hmm. because you don't have, but there's always been absentee and early voting. So there's right. that kind of things there, but it does change how um, races go and how you campaign. Yeah. I think that as opposed to looking at that last 10 days, um, you have to look at that last 40 days. And that's the way we did. We adapted for all the absentee ballots. And so, you know, they've dropped and uh, um, we'll be working really hard. And yeah, they messaging. sent out. I'm helping somebody with Mel Gillis with this campaign. Oh so, yeah, I met Mel you know. last year in uh, Juno. Yeah, he's he's a character. He's a huh? he's, he's, a <laughs> he's a he's the real deal. Yeah, but you know we we sent out today uh, a lot, ton, you know, a couple thousand almost ch- chasers. Yeah. So I think a lot of candidates don't they don't have maybe the know know how or they don't have the knowledge of this and they forget to, they forget to do this. Or very important to it, chase it, the and it's ballots. expensive. You know that that's the tough part. You know is you have to be able to raise those funds to be able to get those things. How'd you raise ninety? Just donation packs or people? Or everything, what? everything. You know, we um, I really am in the middle, and people are really frustrated with how hyper partisanship it is. And so we started working. You know, a year ago, and we've hit it hard, really hard. How much has Vance raised? I mean, she's raised probably. I haven't seen a report yet. Um, Before you know, it's due today, uh, I she was. She hadn't done as well as we had, I should say. Did you put any of your own money into it, or is this all? No, the- no not yet. Wow, well, I don't think you, with 90, that's yeah. that's pretty good for, I mean, you can do whatever you need to do with yeah, in a house race. That's exactly right, and it's, you know, it's an important race, so um, we've been working really hard, and you can't do the in-person stuff, so, you know, you have to do a lot of ads, and you have to do, you know, the mail-outs, and And you filed digital. last year, right? I filed, yeah. 2019? Right. So you were able to kind of double, you can get donations twice. Yeah, but I didn't do that. Uh, oh, yeah, we did get some. Um, we got a few, but we didn't hit the donation, the fundraising in 19, like I, mm-hmm. looking back like I should have. See, because I filed, you know, I was briefly running for Senate. I filed in 20, the de- deadline. So I only had one one year, one, right. one calendar year. So when I ran in 16, I, I filed the year before. So I was able to, you know, raise money and then go back to those right. folks and get, because it's 500 is the limit. Right. Or 1,000 for the pack. So, yeah. It's, um, yeah, I saw that you've been doing some let drops, um, with Von in Von Imhoff. Well, we did a, we, we, we did a door to door. Yeah. That was, uh, you know, she, she, it was kind of a weird story, but you know, I, I was running against kind of her, right. She had a primary and, um, there was this Democrat in the race and I've talked about this and she was placeholder and, you know, got in very late and kind of, I told her what I was going to do. She's run before and, and, and told me she was going to be on the primary and then get out. So I kind of stayed in and. And then she kind of, did did you know, kind of did the runaround on me and tried to, you know, pull a fast one. And I said, well, you know, it's not going to work in a three-way. And I ended up getting out. Yeah. And um, I was sorry to see that because I think you would have been a good legislator. I, you know, thanks. I would have been. Would've. I think I, one thing I learned about being in June in the last couple of years is, is a lot of folks run for office and they, they have ideas or they, they have kind of plans and they really have no fucking idea what's going on. I mean, there's right. no, I mean, I tell people. When they ask about the, I mean, I give my thoughts, but you know, there's seven people in the Senate who do the budget and, and even less when you look at the majority and there's 10 in the house right. and even less when you look at the majority who put together the budget. Right. So it's, it's not like, I mean, these people think they're going to go, I'm going to cut the budget. I'm going to get the dividend. No, you're not. Well, you that's can't a, do anything. One person. Well, that's exactly right. But you know what you can do, uh, which is what you do in Juno is you go around and you maintain those relationships and you work with people and you, um, advocate and negotiate and get things done, even though you may not be on that committee, you can get stuff done. I mean, mm-hmm. we do that. And I used to, you know, years ago, I first ran in 2012 and I had this kind of opinion or um, mindset that we need to get rid of these people and get new people and fuck them all, get, you know, put in new people. 
especially, you know, if somebody was like a staffer, if they've been lobbyists or they've been around. And now I've actually changed my view on that. You, you, you want people, I'm not saying you want like the hardcore insider people that have been there forever, but you want people that actually know how it works. Because if you get elected and go down there and have never been to Juno, I mean, your learning curve is so high. Right. I mean, it took me a few months, a solid month, and I wasn't even a legislator, but just kind of where, where do I even go? Where's the room? Right. Like, who's who? What's, how does this work? What, you know, just to have a basic understanding of it. Well, that's why I think it's important to have that um, previous experience. You know, um, Machiki phrased uh, it pretty well when he said the legislature isn't an entry-level position. Mm-hmm. And um, he, yeah, he was he was a mayor, so yeah, he wasn't a legislator, but he he probably had relationships with those folks, and he sure he went right. to Juno. That's right. I've been really involved in AML as well, and um, my years on the assembly, um, I was on the hospital operating board and the chamber um, of commerce board, and I think it's really important to have that experience and have business experience. I think all of that, you know, when you invest in your community, it makes a difference. And having served somewhere, I think it's important because it's this huge learning curve. So Machiki's your senator, and then it's thirty-one and actually thir- no, no, no. Do you have a? There was a, de- uh, a redistricting. And so you so have Gar- you have Gary. We have Gary Stevens. Okay, we had right. Machiki for like one year, about ten years ago, um, for a very short period, and then uh, the redistricting happened, and Gary's been our senator. How about that two years ago thing? That was pretty wild with yeah. uh, Gillum, huh? No one knew. <laughs> Holy moly. <Woo>! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. And Gary's I, thing this last time was pretty wild. I mean, Bear Cox, who I always joke about, you know, because he always runs, and his, his motto is check the box for Cox. Yeah. Which I'm not making that up. That's his I know. motto. Right. Um, do you know this guy? I do. I've I do, met him actually. before. He's kind of running for everything, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, he's the eternal candidate. Um well, almost, uh, he almost got her this time. He did. You know, his whole strategy was to just put the big signs of Gary uh, with a mark through it and, you know, save your PFD. Um, and when that's a big part of what happened at the last election two years ago, we had a lot of candidates that didn't debate. They said PFD and crime and they got elected. And um, I think that it should matter more than that on what their experience is and their ability to do. Yeah, I think if Gary, if um, if John would have, I don't know how much, I don't think he raised a ton of money. No, he didn't. You know, if he would have really, I mean, Gary... Got real lucky with those absentees. Yeah. You know, he recovered and Von Imhoff recovered and, you know, Coggill didn't recover. Right. But, um, yeah, Bear Cox. <laughs> I know. You know, and it's really hard because, you know, Kodiak's so far away. And so that's a really tough district. Who's this Madden guy? Greg Madden. He's yeah. Independence Party. Running he's the- Independence Party, not an independent. No, you he's, know? he's actually the he's, Secessionist Party. Right. Right. And so. Um, you know I him? It, no, I don't. He's a chiropractor. And uh, he's running, yeah, against him. Yeah, there's no Democrat in that Senate race with Gary right, Stevens, right. so. Yep. Wow. Well, Kelly, it's been really great talking to you. you got a so lot of stories. Nice to meet you. You're on the nice podcast here, yeah. the Landmine Radio. I feel honored. That's pretty good. Yeah. So um, if I get down there, I, I probably want to do the cabin thing. I'll, I'll let you know. Is there a website or what is it? There's call a website. You or? I'm just going to give you my number um, okay. so I can uh, get you set up so you have a great view. So you can, what, is it like one, how many people, two, two people, four people? Is um, it? I have three different sizes. So I have one that's a big two-bedroom cabin that can sleep up to six, and then it goes all the way down to two. We have three different sizes. So in the wintertime, you can do like a fire pit. You can bring we have in. the fire pit, yep. Um, they are heated, but there's no fireplace in there because people burn down log cabins. Like you like you, like you, you burn down your, you know, <laughs> No, right, maybe the, the I bar. knew. Maybe I knew. You learned your lesson. I know. Um, but it's actually, it's great because uh, Homer is a really fun place to be even in I the love the fat olives. The spit, obviously. Um, whenever there's an earthquake, I call Canada. Like, is everything, yeah. you know, because they have the sirens that go off. I know. Well, we just had that tsunami, you know, I where know. we all had to evacuate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. What's the other one? There's Fat Olive. Oh, there used to be Starving Marvins when I first moved here. Right. And that, that's gone now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's gone. Um, but, you know, we have uh, uh, Two Sisters, um, which is also a really great bakery. And then we uh, used to have Cafe Cups. Um, they closed. That was my favorite. There's that weird little uh, kind of liquor store, too. What's it called? That little... Kind of boutique liquor, smaller. Really, I forget the guy that works there. It was the liquor the store, spirit shop, or they have like uh, yeah. Oh no, we have um, the grog shop. Grog shop, yeah. Yeah, grog Mel shop. owns that, and yeah. he owns all of the liquor stores in town except for um, Safeway and Savy More. He's a smart guy. He must be doing pretty good. Huh? He's doing really well. He's a smart guy. Grog shop, yeah, they, yeah. And grog I've, shop, I've been there. yeah. Yeah, the Down East. Um, you know, that's where my coffee shop is, right across from the Down East. Oh, that's what I was going to ask you. Did they ever save the hockey rink? They did. Because that was a big thing. Because my friends play hockey. They go down for the tournaments, and they were um, it was going to go away, right? Or they were going to close it. Well, they were really struggling, you know, with their um, finances. They didn't own the building, you know, and the Native Corporation owns the land. Native Corporation stepped up. and Which one? Um, the Native Corporation. I don't know which Native Corporation. I can't remember. 
Um, but they stepped up and made it really workable for them. Um, the hockey board, uh, those guys work their tail off. And so they're doing really well. That that's a big, you know, that's a, for huge. a lot of the, those tournaments there. And, but I mean, even for being living at home, I'm sure they have a lot of kids want to play hockey. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, on that Alaska public media the other night, they asked if we'd been in uh, on a salty dog uh, since the pandemic. Oh yeah, I think. Yeah, and I had to say no because I haven't been. Somebody, in there. somebody, uh, it was funny. Somebody brought that up, and they said, "I don't think Sarah Vance has probably ever been there. Maybe bet not. <laughs> not she's a big not. drinker. Yeah, I've um, been there. I got, I got, man, I got real drunk there one time for the hockey. There was a hockey thing, and I, I don't play hockey that much. I play a little bit. My friends are like all grew up here, and they're really good. And I went down there and hung out and played a little bit. And we went to the Salty Dog, and man, I got. Ooh. Well, but, you know, <laughs> I walk back. Yeah, when you have friends come, you know, you got to go to the Salty Dog. Alice's Champagne Palace, that's a favorite place. Yeah, I've been there place. too, yeah. 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 I like that salt. That's like the um, like legendary spot. I got, I got actually the sweater. I'm not wearing it now. You have a I, sweater? Yeah, oh yeah. Not a sweatshirt from Sweat, the Salty Dog? Sweatshirt, hoodie. Yeah. Yeah, I got the hoodie. Yeah. The iconic thing. And then you I see have, it all over the world. I got that. And then I also got the um, the uh, Skinny Dicks one. From Fair, by halfway Fairbanks, in. halfway in. Yeah, I've, I've been got, there. I've got that one too. You had chickens so. running around in there. That's a that, weird, that's a that's bizarre a place. Odd place. Yeah, very yeah. weird. I was there the first time when I was really young, and I moved here, and this lady was in there, and she was just a crazy lady, and she shook my hand. She had one of those buzzer things and shocked me, and I was like, "What the hell? This is a weird." All these like sexual kind of like toy like yeah. aprons and all this weird stuff in there, and, and then you order a Bloody Mary, and it's got all that weird stuff in yeah. there. And you're like, what is this? this is, and then yeah. Fairbanks, you know, they used to uh, the cabbies used to drive on the river. Had you heard that story? No. In the winter, yeah, you know, they'd take shortcuts, and the the river would be frozen, and all the cabbies would go flying across there, and then they'd hit soft spots, you know, by the utility go poles in? and go in. So they made it where they couldn't drive on there. But that oh. was a trip. Anybody for me. ever die? I don't think so. Jesus. No, I don't think so. But they used to have a pool in all the bars on when the first car would drop in that frozen river when they'd hit a soft spot by utility pole. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was my first uh, trip to Fairbanks is stopping at Skinny Dick's and wondering what I just walked into. Yeah, that's a And then going up and taking a cab along the river there, on the river. Yeah. Strange place. All right, well, Kelly Cooper, it's been a great podcast. Thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks for coming to Anchorage, and uh, good luck on the race, and we'll... Yeah. Um, I hope I see you in Juneau. Uh, yeah, well, I hope I see you at the cabin. Maybe I'll be doing the cabin You should do that, that sooner. So. You should. Okay, well, thanks for coming on, Kelly All Cooper. Right. Okay, candidate in District 31, or independent. Okay, folks, if you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast, get a hold of me and stay tuned for the next one.